Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. There are two people, if you listen to my program, there are two people that I have to apologize to my mother and say, no, mom, no, no, I know this makes you unhappy, but I don't just dislike the things they do. I hate them. And uh, one is whom? Who's somebody that I just hate? Woodrow Wilson. The other one is Edison. I know, I know, I'm not going to bore you with Edison. Uh, You'll chew your arm off to get away from me when I start talking about Edison. Please, dear God, it went on for hours. Uh, But I'm just going to get an update on Woodrow Wilson. Ronald R.J. Prestrito, he is a professor of politics at Hillsdale College. He is the guy that uh, changed my life, really, changed my understanding of uh, American politics with uh, his book, um, uh, Woodrow Wilson and the Roots of Modern Liberalism. When I read that, I understood what was going on. Well, I want to get an update because we are doing almost exactly what Woodrow Wilson wanted to do. So I want to talk about modern liberalism, modern progressivism, and where we are on Woodrow Wilson's uh, dream country. We do that in 60 seconds. I don't know if you've heard the good news or not, but uh, Democrats have just passed in the Senate another $5 trillion reconciliation social reform bill. And it is great because there's nothing that we could do that will help us more than spend another $5 trillion on, you know, things that really don't you don't care about, really, honestly, things that we don't have the money for. Uh, but that $5 trillion is going to make your, the value of your dollar go down. And so you'll have to worry about how much money you have in the bank all the time because you won't really have any uh, or it won't be of a value. So it'll be really good for the American people. We have Mike Leake talking about that here in just a few minutes. Um, I want to tell you about Goldline, our sponsor. They're giving away free silver with their extremely popular $5 gold Indian coins with every qualifying order. You're going to receive 10 brilliant uncirculated silver Kennedy half dollars at no additional cost. It's a great special on an already low cost item. So if you're thinking about gold or silver, this is the perfect promotion for you. They're standing by to take your call. Call 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. RJ Pastrito is uh, with us. Uh, Hey, RJ, how are you? Hi, Glenn. How are you doing? It's, it's been a long time. It has been a lot, but I still think of you uh, uh, <laughs> fondly for everything that you have done. I don't know if you've seen the latest polls on Woodrow Wilson, but he does not poll well uh, anymore. He used to always be in the top five with the, all of these professors, and he's now towards the bottom. Well, I think you might have had something to do with that back during the Obama presidency, as I recall. (laughs) Well, I got a lot of the information uh, from you, uh, and I wanted to talk to you about um, the comparisons between Joe Biden's administration and uh, Woodrow Wilson's administration. I mean, I, I just just the idea that he segregated the military again. And in the opposite way, in in some ways, um, Joe Biden is doing the same thing with the federal government. He's he's splitting whites against blacks. He's not he's not saying you you know you have to work in separate places 
or or uh, be segregated, but he is dividing us. And I wanted to talk to you about the comparisons, if you saw any between the two. Well, I think the comparison that, you know, a lot of people would think of quite correctly is in, in Biden, you're dealing with a president who I think any fair person has to say has, has greatly diminished cognitive capacity. Uh, and it's not clear who's actually calling the shots in, in the Biden administration. And I, I think it's fair to, to see it as a kind of uh, extension of, of the Obama presidency and, and an extension in power of those who, uh, who were there in control during the Obama presidency. And, and uh, you know, Woodrow Wilson, of course, had, was disabled uh, at the end of, of his uh, time in office, and it was it was unclear. Uh, historians still debate it who exactly was was running things. But it was, it, from what I understood, it was really his wife that was kind of running the show, and even his own party uh, was against that. When they couldn't meet with him, uh, they came, and you know, uh, she put together a, a a meeting, and she really orchestrated that well. But when they really found out that he was trying to run again and he was not in control, even his own party turned on him, didn't they? That's correct. Yes. And, and you know, it was a situation that, uh, you know, I think many hoped, hoped not to repeat. But the circumstances of, of the recent electoral cycles here in our country have been so, uh, you know, so hard to imagine that yeah, I think we're, we're, looking, we're looking at that kind of situation again here. Believable. Um, uh, you know, I read, I don't know if you've ever read it. I, I, I'm sure you, I'm sure you have, but, uh, uh, Philip Drew administrator, one of Woodrow Wilson's favorite books, uh, while he was in office, I think he read it three times and he, uh, and he, in it, um, Colonel house talks about, uh, how, uh, the country just needs to be done by these new scientific administrators and everything coming out of this administration is no longer going through Congress. It's no longer uh, um, uh, even debatable now. It's all, let's listen to the experts. This is science, 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 and we just have to do it. Are we an administrative state now? Well, we absolutely are. And I think that you, you have in the pandemic that we've seen over the last year and a half, the, the greatest possible proof, if, if more could be needed, that uh, we are in the throes of an administrative state. And, and you, you know, we know going back to the original progressives, their idea was kind of coming out of the 19th century that science had kind of triumphed and that was the future and it was the Darwinian revolution mm -hmm. in the 19th century. And so they, they really thought that the time had come for the limits on government to, to be relaxed. Uh, historical progress made it such that we were capable of so much more. We knew so much more. Uh, and so the, the idea was to put power in the hands of those who were educated, those who came up in the universities, those who got the advanced degrees. I think you mentioned in your intro, you know, Woodrow Wilson was a professor. He's a you know, Ph.D. in political science. God help us, uh, you know, coming into power. Uh, and so I think you're exactly right. What, what's the rhetoric that we have seen out of this administration? It's always deference to science. Uh, we have the uh, CDC imposing moratoria on evictions, making policy that it, ha it has no that right to allows it to make. Yeah. 
we have, you know, the president's spokespeople unable to justify various measures and mandates that they're taking, and they're just saying, well, this is what the experts tell us to do. So I think it's a it's a very timely question. And what did what did Wilson do? I mean, it's so fascinating that uh, I at least I think they're very very similar, uh, and they're going through the same thing. And you know, 1917, 1918, we have the Spanish flu here in America, which is the last time we had a pandemic. Uh, what did Wilson do? Well, they are, Glenn. It, you know, Wilson was basically the father of the modern administrative state. He was the the scholar, and of course, he was a uh, important academic and thinker in the country for decades before he became, you know, a, a big public official. And he, it was a vision that he had uh, for for university educated people to populate a a large bureaucratic apparatus. Uh, he he greatly admired the uh, the system in Germany and mm-hmm. under Bismarck in Prussia. And he he wrote a very famous essay about how we could take the Prussian bureaucratic system and take all of its expertise and depend it onto our, our constitution. And, uh, you know, he started a lot of that in his administration. Much of it had to wait for later circumstances and later waves. People like Franklin Roosevelt, for example, who, who referred back to Woodrow Wilson and building the, the apparatus that, that, uh, that implemented the New Deal. But, it, but that originated with Wilson, and public administration scholars in our country look to Wilson as one of the founders of their discipline, in fact. Did he do shutdowns for the, for the uh, Spanish flu? Did no, mask mandates? No, these are unprecedented. This, this is unprecedented, what we have in our time, because you, you have a vision for it in the original progressive era, uh, but we have never, in, in the entire history of our country, even with very, you know, whether it's progressive administration, any kind of administration, any kind of threat far greater than, than COVID-19, never have we seen any restriction like this on our liberties uh, before. It was, it was something the original progressives, I think, even themselves couldn't have fathomed. The, um, the other thing I, I found uh, striking is that um, we, we have now Facebook, which is the public square, Limiting, shaming, uh, uh, listening in on, uh, gathering information. That is just the electronic version of, and I can't remember what they were. They were like the Minutemen or something. And, and he actually had 120 badge-wearing Americans snooping on their neighbors. Well, World War, World War I was, was uh, an occasion that the Wilson administration certainly took advantage of. It was one of the ways in which many of the you know, administrative entities uh, you know, kind of got, got justified, although quite honestly, uh, he had started quite a bit of that before even the circumstances mm-hmm. were were upon the country. I mean, we, you in the early Wilson administration, as you know, we have the establishment of, of the uh, income tax, of the Federal Trade Commission, of the uh, Federal Reserve Board. So, you know, a lot of it even starts be- before those more extreme wartime measures that you mentioned. Let me, let me ask you, um, you have the new book out called America Transform, the rise and legacy of the American progressivism. Um, I said maybe, I don't know, maybe about a year ago or so that I think progress, we are out of the progressive phase and we are now into the 
uh, revolutionary phase with what you're seeing on the streets. Would you agree with that? I think we're in unprecedented times. Uh, I think that the for, for a lot of years, right, this, if you go back 100 years to when the progressives got started, this was a project that has taken time. It's, it's come over us in a series of waves over the 20th and now 21st century. And for a long time, we've had an uneasy coexistence between our original constitutional regime, which has been there all along, it's, it's still there, and then a, a progressive mindset, an increasingly progressive mindset and, and a left wing that's been pushing that now for over 100 years. But something ultimately had, had to give. And that's sort of the story I try to, to tell in the book. It's the book you told me to write 10 years ago, by the way. That really? I, uh, and, and I finally, you know, it, it's, it's coming to a head. And so we're at a point now where you have citizens, the way I try to put it in the book, is you have citizens that are really of two different regimes, two different countries, two different sets of principles that happen to occupy the same space. And that the, the time has come for this this major concept to be resolved because they're they're uh, directly opposed principles, the progressive right. ideas of the limitless state and the founders' principles of limited government for the sake of securing our natural God-given rights. Unfortunately, progressivism has taken over really almost every university except a few places like Hillsdale, uh, where you teach. And there's nobody to defend when progressivism, when Woodrow Wilson went too far People saw that and they were really taken aback. Uh, and it took the Great Depression uh, and war to uh, um, have those ideas come back. Um, but uh, they, they, they went too far and they knew it, that they had to kind of hide it and go into the universities and start to teach it um, because the American people knew who George Washington was. They knew who Thomas Jefferson was. They, they knew the writings. They knew the, re, they knew the reasoning and they knew the constitution and the bill of rights. We don't now. How does it work out for us? Do you think this time? Well, I think uh, it's very worrisome for the reason that you suggest because higher ed is a complete mess. Uh, you're, there are a few islands of sanity. I'm very grateful to teach at one at Hillsdale, of course, uh, but by and large, higher education is a mess. And this was this was where progressivism started. That's I think I think it's an it's important point to to understand. They invaded the universities first. They knew that they they had to go to the places where ideas percolate, and that that would slowly. This is something that the great political philosopher Aristotle teaches us. You know that these ideas they percolate at the top and they, they filter down. And so it's taken, it's taken time. But the, the revolution was, was in the universities. They, uh, a lot of our university or college professors started going over to Europe to, to get their higher degrees. Mm -hmm. It's the thing that you were supposed to do if you wanted to be a trendy educational institution in the second half of the 19th century. A lot of orthodox institutions got transformed right under their no, uh, the noses of, of good trustees this way. Uh, and so by the time you get to 1900, higher ed in America is already sort of, there, there's already this poison that's been put into the system, and it's been uh, taking root. And, you know, you, you have now, you take a look at higher education, and it's essentially an, an enemy of the country. I mean, oh, yeah. it, that's what you're taught in higher ed, is to, is to hate this country, to hate everything it stands for. 
uh, and you know a few of us are sitting there tr- sticking our fingers in the in the in the in the right. wall trying trying to hold it back, but it's it's uh, it's not easy. Yeah, um, I thank you for everything that you've done, R.J. R.J. Pastrido, he's a professor of politics at Hillsdale College, author of the new book "America Transformed: The Rise and Legacy of American Progressivism." Love to have you back after I have a chance to read the book. Um, I didn't know until this Love morning it, that man. it was actually out, so. Thank you it's so much for writing me it. to write long time ago, and I'm, I'm happy to be on. Well, I can't I can't wait to, to read it. America Transformed. R.J. Pastrito. Thank you for being on the program. Let me tell you about our you're, sponsor. Wait, you're signing books. And you're not even you don't even know when they come out. I mean, he told you like told the said, guy to write a book and then... we haven't talked for a while. Oh, he didn't write to me. He didn't. I mean, it if, seems like maybe you keep tabs on, on the guy. You tell the guy to write a book. I mean, he writes the book. Maybe you should keep in contact with him. You are such a jerk. You are such <laughs> a jerk all day. I know. I live all to torture day. you for no reason. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, and you yet haven't asked about the uh, art show. And, you got a uh, commercial to do. What's the commercial, sir? A legacy box. Uh, do you ever open up an old photo album and get immediately transported back to that moment of time? How about the old family videos? I, I, I don't even have the equipment. To watch those things. Um, and I would like to watch those. Well, you can do it with Legacy Box. We, um, we started Legacy Box because um, when my brother-in-law died here recently, we went back to mom's house and we opened up the photo album and all of them are fading. I mean, they were not last. They're not meant to last like those old tin types, you know, from the 1800s. These are going to fade. They're going to go away. Legacy Box will help bring new life to your old media by putting it in a modern digital format that's easy to use. With Legacy Box, you'll be able to reclaim all of your priceless footage and photographs and preserve it for the future. Just use their kit, uh, their kit to safely send the moments that you want preserved. Their team will create a digital archive by hand, and you'll receive your new copies stored in the cloud on a thumb drive or DVD along with the original media you sent legacybox.com slash back take advantage of this a limited time offer for 50 percent off and discover the magic of bringing your past back into view anytime anywhere take advantage of this exclusive offer today use their kit whenever you're ready it's legacybox.com slash back save 50 percent off at legacybox.com slash back 10 seconds station id So I think it was at this time uh, on Friday where you said uh, people would be spitting on my artwork. And, and, and several people came by and asked me <laughs> if anyone had spat on the artwork. Did they really? And I said, no. And one lady uh, said, uh, you know, I used to not like Stu at all. Mm, that's understood. You're uh, not alone. Yeah. Ma'am. And she said, he's growing on me. Mm. And I said, like mold. And she said, something a little worse than that. But yeah. I have been told I am yeah. growing. Yeah. Uh, so that's <laughs> yeah, something. You're a growing boy. Yeah. <laughs> so the um, uh, the event went really, really well. And uh, we, as much as I torture you, we should point out, uh, looks like you've raised a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. Don't charity. have the final numbers, but it should something be, like that. you know, it should be in that area uh, for, awesome. uh, yeah, for Mercury One. And yet again, our audience uh, steps up in moments like this they always do they always do you know we've raised millions and millions of dollars for charity and they've done a great job especially in this circumstance which it's not only you have to donate but you've got to lug home this thing 
well, you know, this I painting. Think. I, and then you got to figure out what to do with it. You probably your trash guy won't even take it. I'm not it. sure. You that, know, that's the that, a lot of times they won't. Yeah. They won't even take it. You got to call for a bulk delivery. It's you know, it's big. Re- okay. Painting. You know, what's really weird is I don't think anybody because I said, mm-hmm. you know, you take you'll take the tax write off. You don't have to pay me my share. You just just send it to Mercury One yourself. And I, I don't think anybody did. I think they all just paid paid for it. Uh, the uh, so I get a big tax write off, which is really nice. I don't think that's nice. how taxes not how it work exactly. You might really? want to talk to a, a okay. an accountant. Talk to that. an accountant on that. <laughs> yeah, okay. probably. Really, so. they yeah. watch those things, huh? They do. They do. not <laughs> if you're Hunter Biden. They no. don't watch it if you're no. Hunter Biden. Huh? That's totally huh. okay. You that's can raise totally okay. millions, millions and millions of dollars, not for charity, right? More and from crack and and from China, China and crack. Yeah. All right. And of course, there's lots of bills that need to be paid for particular visits to alabama yeah uh strip clubs uh, down in that general Gosh, vicinity that must be hard for his accountant to uh put that all together for the irs anyway thank you so much if you came uh thank you thank you thank you so much uh it really was a it was an amazing amazing time on saturday Thanks and luckily money doesn't doesn't mean anything anymore we can just spend it just spend anywhere it, we want anywhere you want as well as we're going to talk to mike lee about here, yeah coming yeah. up in just a minute yeah because the government will be taking some of that money oh good earned, uh, in fact a lot of it hmm. to uh spend and mike will tell us on what next this is the glenn Beck program american financing nmls 182334 www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org so brian wrote in he said, I heard about American financing on Blaze TV, made my inquiry on the web, and was contacted by Scott. He and his associates were extremely helpful and accommodating. Scott answered all my questions, and he made me feel comfortable during the entire process of my refinance. In the end, I lowered my monthly mortgage payment, and I got a lower interest rate. I'd recommend American financing to anyone who needs to save money and needs the services they offer. Thanks. Brian, thanks for writing in, and thank you for giving American Financing a chance to help you reach your financial goals. They work for you, not the bank, and they just might be able to save you a ton of money over the next 20 years. So call them. They're a family-owned company. Whether you're refinancing or getting a new mortgage or whatever you're doing, cross the street or cross the country, they can help you. It's American Financing, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You'll have 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. <laughs> I'll tell you who wasn't at my art show this weekend was Mike Lee. Oh, jeez. I mean, he's he's got this uh, infrastructure government spending bill. He couldn't he couldn't put a little padding in there for the art. Yeah, put a padding yeah. in for a private jet flight to your art show and then yeah. back. And That's then, all. Yeah, and maybe nice a couple of paintings along with him. But oh no, I I'm too serious. I I've got work to do. <laughs> People don't want us spending money. <laughs> Mike, Glenn, yeah. you're you're leaving out the real reason I didn't come, Glenn, which is that I'm still offended that you didn't include any of my art i mean i know stick figures get a bad rap in american art culture these days but right. it's pretty good yeah it's come from me yeah no that's good stuff mike uh mike lee uh the senator from utah you were up late last night uh working on this bipartisan government spending bill uh how many of you guys voted against this thing there were about uh, 40 of us 
who voted against it. Maybe 35 oh. who voted against it at the earlier stages. Here's the weird thing, though, Glenn. We voted on this a couple times last week. The bill didn't yet exist at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mm-hmm. bill didn't exist until last night, late last night. Uh, I finally received it as I was sitting on the Senate floor with a bunch of my colleagues who were getting ready to give speeches in favor of it. And um, all of a sudden, I, I got it electronically. It's 2,702 pages long. Yeah, well, that's, that's so an easy read. kind of strange that they voted to proceed to it without knowing what it was first. But well, let me ask you this. Isn't this kind of just like, weren't really last week just saying, hey, how much do you want to spend? We'll fill it in later. How much do you want to spend? Isn't isn't that what it was? Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of what they were doing. Uh, yeah, deciding overall threshold amounts and and deciding uh, uh, you know in general terms what the agreement would consist of. But normally that's not how we vote on actual pieces of legislation. But in any event, we've got it now. It's twenty seven hundred and two pages long. How much is spent? Um, how, how much is spending on this one? It spends one point two trillion dollars. I love that. And of that one point two trillion dollars. 550 of it is new federal spending Mm. uh, above and beyond what we were expected to spend this year, which strikes me as curious, given that it's a terrible time to be spending more money at a time when due to deliberate, reckless overspending by the federal government, poor middle class Americans are finding that everything they purchase is more expensive from 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 chicken breast to gasoline to cars to housing everything is more expensive because we're spending too much money in washington oh my gosh Stu, how can we listen to this old-timey guy blah 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 inflation (laughs) don't you know that inflation is not a problem Hmm. it's not going to be a problem you because they're digitizing they're not they're not actually printing they're digitizing mike and that is totally different it's transitory and that 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 of course makes those dollars spend very differently and, and inflation proof, doesn't it? Makes yeah, it, it sure does. You know, you met, you brought up when you were on the floor of the Senate. I I watched uh, some of the highlights, and uh, you made a great point about inflation. You were like, even even just the act of spending all of this money, when you're talking about infrastructure, will drive the cost of the things that are already expensive up because now the private sector has to compete with the government. That's exactly right. So everything that goes into these projects, from cement to the aggregate materials you use to make concrete, to steel, to labor, and everything else, all those things are more expensive right now. And so, uh, look, I'm, I'm not a, a, a fan of stimulus-style spending. But even to those who, who might be, they might be able to make a slightly less bad case for this in a time when demand for these products is low and uh, industries are shutting down. I still wouldn't like to see government doing that, but w- whatever. You can make a case for it in that circumstance, not one that I agree with, but but you can't make a good case for doing it right now where everything is inflated, where every federal dollar we put into this is going to go less far because it's a federal dollar and it comes with lots of strings attached, and it will go even less far because of the fact that all of these things are in short supply and can be procured only at a premium. We will get less from this as a result of the fact that it's federal and as a result of the fact that we're doing it right now. So why are they saying this is a good deal? Why, why, do, why, do, well, why are the Republicans even thinking we have to do any of this stuff? Well, look, I, I, I'm always reluctant to speak for those who are not present. I, I'm not a good spokesman for them because 
I disagree fundamentally with what they're doing. I suspect if one of them were on the phone with us, they'd say, okay, well, uh, first of all, we need infrastructure. Secondly, if we do this, then what the Democrats do on their bill, the bill that they intend to pass with a simple majority, uh, either later this week or, or later this month, uh, they will spend less than they would otherwise spend if we didn't do this. Now, if we were in court and someone testified to that effect, I'd stand up and say, objection assumes facts not in evidence. I don't know how they can possibly know that they will spend less if we pass this bill. And in any event, that doesn't mean we don't, we don't have to put our names on something that we think is bad and harmful to the American people if we don't agree with it. Look, Glenn, there, there are sort of three different peop- groups of people in America, one of which will benefit from this bill one of which might not notice much of a difference, and the others will be hurt by it. The first group, consisting of those who might benefit from it, tend to be wealthy, well-connected individuals and business interests in this country who might actually get rich off of it. The next group consists of well-off Americans who have enough money that they won't notice a big hit to their cost of their, their lifestyle. Uh, uh, but almost everyone else, the vast, overwhelming majority of Americans fits into the third category of people who have limited paychecks. They're, in many cases, living paycheck to paycheck. Every dollar will buy less as a result of spending like this one. Those people will be hurt. So in some ways, we're exchanging one thing for another. In some ways, we're taking money away from poor middle-class Americans and giving it to the wealthy and well-connected. I can't justify that. This is the opposite of Robin Hood. This is the opposite of Robin Hood. The opposite of Robin Hood. Exactly. Senator Lee, there's some argument that the passing something bipartisan gives Senator Manchin, Senator Sinema, some some talking point to go back to Democrats and say we shouldn't drop the filibuster. Do you think there's anything to that at all? Yeah, look, I don't want them to drop the filibuster. They shouldn't drop the filibuster. We have no guarantee that... If we didn't do this, they would drop the filibuster or that by doing this, they won't. No guarantee whatsoever. What we have to vote on is the legislation before us. Now, the legislation before us, 2,702 pages long, which we received late last night, has been hammered out over a a period of four months by 10 very smart, very hardworking senators, senators with whom I happen to disagree on this issue, but, but they worked hard on it. They've had four months to come up with 2,702 pages. It is beyond folly to suggest that the entire Senate should now get up to speed on that and be expected to process it, amend it, vote on it, and pass it within a period of a few days. We need, arguably, at least as much time as they did. At a minimum, we need at least a few weeks to work on this. We have no business spending this amount of money and passing this size of a bill that we saw for the first time last night within a few days. Remember, it was Barack Obama who said he was going to have the uh, the transparency that had never happened before. And he would post every bill for at least a couple of weeks before it was ever voted on. They never did that. Nobody ever has an intention of doing this. And all of these things are 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 banged out. And and really a lot in the House is just put together by the the heads of the party and then everybody else is just told vote for it 
Yes, no, that's exactly right. And, and it reflects one of the sad biases that you see in this place. You know, senators get praise when they pass big spending bills. They get criticized when they vote against them. They assume that passing legislation is a good thing in the abstract. I'm reminded of something that Calvin Coolidge once said. He said, as a lawmaker, it's important to both pass good bills and stop bad ones. They're both important. But as between the two, it's the second that's more important. It's more important to stop the bad bills because a a good bill that doesn't pass today can always be passed later. A bad bill, once it passes, is nearly impossible to unwind. You can't ever get rid of it. And that's why we've got to focus on this. Look, a handful of senators will get praised if this thing passes. But that praise and that adulation, that political notoriety for a few days, will have long-term consequences for Americans, Americans poor and middle class. And that concerns me greatly. Can you tell us what infrastructure even means now, Mike? Well, look, it means a lot of things. In this bill, they're, they're talking about all sorts of things from, uh, uh, from highways and bridges roads okay, hang on just a second uh, we have every time there's a big bill it's an infrastructure bill when and how much was it going to take to actually fix the roads and the bridges the federal roads and bridges because i'm tired of hearing about infrastructure fixing the roads and bridges because nobody ever shows us any progress on that and says okay we're a lot closer just an endless infrastructure bill fix the roads and bridges Right. And, and look, you, you can always identify things that have been fixed. And that's why things like this can be very tempting, because people can point to good things that will happen right. to good people and good communities that are well deserving of improvements. The question I raise is, does it have to be this much? Does it have to be right now? And does it have to be through this government? I'm still going through this bill because it takes a while to do it. It doesn't read like a fast-paced novel. Mm. But, 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 Glenn, I, I, I will be shocked if there isn't a whole lot of infrastructure in here that isn't federal in nature, that is not or should not be federal. Now, if it's, if it's part of an interstate highway, then, right. yeah, perhaps it should be federal. Or some other project that with an uh, appropriate federal nexus that's close, maybe so. I'm willing to bet that a large portion of this is going to go to surface streets that start and stop in the same state uh, and things that are otherwise not necessarily appropriate for the federal government. And that's not just an esoteric problem. It creates real financial problems. Correct. The minute you add a dollar of federal spending to an infrastructure project, in many states like mine, it can add 30 percent, sometimes more to the cost of the project because you have to comply with this Byzantine labyrinth of federal regulations and mandates. And so you're buying less with more money when you make it federal. We shouldn't do that. Uh, There is also a $3.5 trillion human infrastructure bill coming our way. Yes. Yes. That is a bill that the Senate Democrats are working on that they believe that they can pass with a mere 51 votes and i'm calling it the inflation bomb because that would truly be it they've learned over time that bills can be more palatable if you call them something mm-hmm. most americans understand and resonate the with patriot act it, 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 yeah yeah if you call it about the troops or about national security generally mm-hmm. or if you talk about infrastructure Children. perhaps they'll accept it more easily 
But this is this uh, inflation bomb that they want to pass with a simple majority is a whole lot of stuff that has nothing to do with infrastructure. It's just big government spending. And to put that in perspective, three and a half trillion dollars. Many of us expect it'll be more like four or five trillion dollars, by the way. That's um, roughly on par with what we spend in a particular year out of the entire federal government in a non-COVID year. So if they expect that we can roughly double that amount and have no consequences, they're crazy. They're just not looking at the facts. Oh, look, 37% of all U.S. dollars that have ever come into existence have been printed in the last 18 months. Mm-hmm. You don't do that without making a whole lot of poor middle-class Americans poorer. Hey, one last thing I'd like to ask you, because I know that they're working on airports uh, here, but uh, the Green New Deal would like to get rid of all airplanes, uh, you know, by 2030. Why would we be building new airports if we have to dramatically cut uh, our air travel? I'd just like you to ask somebody there and see if you can find an answer. Mike Lee, thank you so much for being on us uh, on with us, and thank you for standing uh, and fighting the good fight. I, I certainly appreciate it. It's Senator Mike Lee from Utah on the latest infrastructure bill that they put together in the Senate. One of the things that ties us together fundamentally as human beings is the ability to learn from stories. We've been telling stories to each other throughout history in thousands of years. That's why it's important for you to realize that your kids and grandkids are facing a world where stories with un-American values are on the rise. Our, our schools are, are unfortunately not helping this. Look at what the schools are going to be teaching. Look at the literature. We cannot let it happen. Um, the, the best thing to do to battle uh, bad information is to come out with good information. And that's why I want to tell you about the Tuttle Twins books. The Tuttle Twins books are an exploration of all the things that make us freer and a more perfect union. They teach accurate history of the United States, and they explain how things like free market and limited government work. Your kids and grandkids of all ages should be reading these books. Go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com right now and get 35% off. They'll even throw in all their activity books for free. So if you have kids or you have grandkids, you don't have any kids, you have neighbor kids, get TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Get these books to them. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Get 35% off today. 888-727-BECK. The Associated Press is a real news organization, yeah? So why am I reading this headline? Olympic surfing exposes whitewashed native Hawaiian roots. Yeah, the Olympics added surfing this year. Good, surfers deserve to be recognized as athletes. I'm sorry, what I meant to say is, no, that's cultural appropriation. The AP says that for Hawaiians, probably all two of them, including surfing in the Olympics, is an extension of the racial indignity seared into the history of the game and their homeland when white outsiders took over their spiritual art form. Or just people having fun in the ocean. Incredible. Incredible. We now have a situation where we're, we're surfing is cultural appropriation. It never ends. This is the Glenn Beck Program.